Welcome to Faith and Farmers, the Lakeshore Community Podcast, where we will learn the history of this beautiful area and hear the stories from the people who live here, love here, and serve here. I'm your host and friend, Seth Mulder. Let's go to work. That, yeah, that's interesting because one of the questions I was going to ask later, but I feel like you answered it there, was um, Brady and I driving over here, we were like, I wonder why, like at what point in his life was he like, I'm just going to know the scriptures because I know you well enough that I'm like, man, he's a scriptorian. That guy knows the scriptures. But now hearing your story, that totally makes sense why you wanted to know the scriptures so well and at what point in your life you really kind of dove in to to know the scriptures so I think that's a great lesson I'm glad that you shared that because I think sometimes I've been that way for sure where it's like I really just want to force people I want to force people to like join the church or I want to like force them to like live a certain way because you're like it's true like i can show you all these things like right. how do you why, not why get can't it? You see it yes why can't you get this huh. but i think you bring up a good point that we all have to learn where it's like my job isn't to convince someone my job isn't to prove that the gospel of jesus christ is real or true my job is to lead people to jesus christ and help them feel his love and when they can feel that Hearts can change. So I love that. It has to be faith. Yes. I love that you shared that. All right. We're we're bringing bringing Betty in. We've got to bring her in now. So I'm going to turn the time over to Betty for a minute. Betty, I want you to share how the two of you met. Tell us the story. Um, I actually saw Lloyd at the palace. Um, It was a country dance place. Okay. (laughs) So um, me and my girlfriends just went dancing, and I noticed this guy standing over on the steps, and I'm like, he's pretty cute. (laughs) And um, we didn't dance that night or anything, and lo and behold, the next week he showed up in my singles ward, and we were actually in the same ward. But you didn't know that? I had no idea. Yeah, had no clue, and I'm like, hey, that's that guy I saw at the palace. And so, yep, just... So you asked him out or he asked you out? Come on, it hasn't been that long ago. No, we had a family home evening movie night and we invited them over or whatever and they came over. We kind of got to know each other that way a little bit. And then a few weeks later, um, we saw each other at the palace again and we did dance that night. And... Right after we got home from the palace, he called me up, and it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. He says, hey, do you want to go out tomorrow night? There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and that was in uh-huh. nine, that You got married in 1992, but when was this? When did you meet? Or was it 1992? No. Oh, okay. Just the um, opposite. 1987. Oh, so there was five years. <laughs> So, so, okay, you got you to gotta tell me a little bit of this process. Why did it take five years to get married? He was waiting for me to grow up. Okay. That's, is that... her, that's her definition. Okay, what was yours? <laughs> what? Well, she was dating other guys, and I was dating other girls all those five years. 
and we would just always end up together in time. But she did mature quite a bit in those five years. I was 18 when we met. He was oh. 28. Oh, okay. So there is an age gap. Than, oh, yeah. 10 oh, years. Oh, okay. Okay. So I, I totally understand why, maybe why he was waiting for you to grow up a little bit. <laughs> Betty, where did you grow up? You're not from Lakeshore originally, but where are you from? South Dakota. Oh, okay. So what brought you to Utah? My parents are originally from Utah. They're from San Pete County. And then I just came down here for school. Oh, okay. And so we would always come back to Utah every year for family vacations, reunions, stuff like that. And then um, I just decided to come to school, so I came down to UTC. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so you got married in 1992, um, and what what was kind of your path looking like? What what were you what were you gonna do right when you were newlyweds? You were still in school. Uh, no, I was working full-time. Oh, you were working full-time? Yeah. I was working for, uh, well, uh, it's called uh, Provo Steel and Supply. Oh, okay. It's, uh, we made Browning gun safes. Oh, okay. And I was a manager there for them. And um, did you work at the time? I did. I was working at a bank, Science Bank. Okay. So first baby came when? A year and a half after we were married. And Nin that? Ninety-five. Yeah, 95. 95. And that is who? No, CJ. So CJ's the oldest. Mm -hmm. And he's how old now? 28. 28. Maybe 29. 28 or 29. 28 or Something 29. Like yeah. Somewhere around there. <laughs> so you have CJ first. Uh-huh. And then? Luke. 15 months later, Luke comes. Oh, so Luke came just 15 months later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then? Anne. Anne. Two years later. Anne's two years younger. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the baby is? Kate. Kate. Three years after Anne. And at what point, when you had the four kids, did you move back to Lakeshore? Because we talked about you had kind of lived in all these other little places. But when did you bring, like, when were you all back in Lakeshore? Um, in 1997 is when we built the house. December 97 is when we moved in. Right. So were all the kids born? No. no. Kate, Kate wasn't. Kate, Kate was born here. Kate was born yeah. here. Okay. Anne was an infant just in... She was six months old. Six months old. Okay. So really all your kids know is Lakeshore as well. Yes. Right. Okay. None of them are old enough to Yeah, no, to they know don't remember that. where we lived before. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what, what are some of the challenges that you faced as a young couple? Like what advice would you give people that maybe are just starting that journey that you've, you've had to learn over time? Go for it. Oh, you go for it. Um. Hmm. Well, times are different. Now than then, um, there was a, a guy, one of my bosses at uh, at Pro Steel. Uh, when I got married, he he used to be my bishop, when I, in the singles ward and everything like that. He was just a really good guy, kind of like a brother, and uh, <clears throat> I was managing half the plant for him, and so we spent a lot of time talking, and he pulled me off the side and he said, Lloyd, if if you can afford it. He says, I, I think you can. He says, uh, do whatever you can to make it so that, number one, your wife should manage the money if she can. She has that talent. And she should stay home with the kids. Mm. And so we tried, we tried to do that pretty much. Mm -hmm. Betty, uh, as soon as she started having kids, of course she stayed home with the kids. And, uh, and, uh, and she 
we keep the records and stuff. And so it was a team thing, not a, this is my money and that's your money. And this is our money. And no, it's all our money. And, and so I'm always asking them, can we afford this? And, uh, but it, uh, if you can do that, I think you'll be closer as a couple. Uh, nowadays, I know there's all kinds of excuses that you can't. But our kids was known as the Amish kids because, you know, they didn't have the fancy Game Boys and stuff. And, and we didn't go camping in a huge trailer all the time and, and uh, all that stuff because we just didn't. I guess I'm not the type to do that anyway, but, uh, uh, but our kids seem to grow up okay. Seems to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So what we've interviewed Luke, and that I had talked mm-hmm. about this. And in his podcast, he had talked about how um, one of the things was like, none of your kids had a cell phone, mm-hmm. right? That's Ever. Right. Yeah. Or like their senior year. Yeah, yeah something. Senior was a senior. Yeah, something. Luke was a junior. I remember it was like a long time. Like well, in my mind, I was like, Blake oh, it's a really long time. Like Huff's the reason they got their cell phone. They were working for him. And he got sick and tired of calling the school and having the school secretaries run him down so he could tell them what he wanted them to do. He says, can you get your kids some phones so I don't have to send smoke signals all the time to try and talk He came and gave me a box of matches. Oh, so, my gosh. I, quit. I can't send smoke signals. you got to get your kids a cell phone. <laughs> He's the best. Oh, he is. He's he awesome. Is. But, yeah, so was that because, one, you you just chose that like we weren't going to spend our money here or was it you were trying to teach another purpose? Like I, I'm really fascinated by that. So kind of tell me what, what was your reasoning now that we've heard it on his podcast. Now it's your turn to kind of say, Hey, this is why we chose not to do that. Probably both, probably yeah. both finances and you know, we couldn't afford it. Yeah. Because one of the things that, you know, as new parents, I guess we're not new. Our oldest is like 13, but just different generation because your kids were kind of raised in a similar generation to Brady and I that like technology is our kids' generation. Absolutely. One of the things that happened, Betty was in the young women's and they were trying uh, to get the young women to pay attention and they were always going like this. So they asked them to take their phones and put them in a basket. And they had young women that were just in tears, just could not live without their phone. And we didn't want our kids to be that way. Mm, that's a great point. And so uh, we and, and you couldn't get them to converse. Yeah. They'd sit next to each other and they'd text each other, but they wouldn't talk to each other. Geez, our kids was talking our ears off. Yeah. And I liked that. And I thought, you know what, let's... I mean, with those experiences, it just kind of made us not want them to have phones because... I don't know if you've talked to our kids, but they're pretty chatty. Yeah, I have. Yes, they are. (laughs) Yes. And they know how to carry on a conversation where some of these other kids, they they don't know how. Yeah, they haven't haven't learned that skill set. So so besides kind of the the cell phone thing, what were other things that were kind of, what were the rules in the Basgard home? What were some of the things that you really tried to teach your children? a good question what did <laughs> um, um i think lloyd did, did a really good job at least um and, and maybe i did too a little bit um we tried to teach them how to work hard they're hard workers um we also had some really good 
people that we've grafted into their families like Randy Gordon and Blake Huff and they helped a lot in teaching our kids how to work hard. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you teach the gospel in your home? What What were some things that you tried to do? Because I would say most parents are like, I want to hurt my children every time we try to do something spiritual in our house. She, <laughs> she made a, a chart that hung on the wall that you say the prayer, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, mm-hmm. and then, then there's a game. We all take turns doing that. When the kids were real young, they actually liked to do that. And uh, and some of our sweetest memories, at least mine, is when we were doing that. We'd play charades after, we'd go get ice cream, or we'd do this, we'd do that. And then we'd read this, and we'd try to read the scriptures at night. And some of the kids were just learning to read, so they were pretty thrilled to be able to to read, you know, a verse. They'd do a verse, and they'd do, we'd each do a verse. And I remember Kate sitting on my lap. She didn't know how to read at all, so I'd whisper the words in her ears, and she'd say them. And those are, are sweet memories to me. Now, of course, when they get older, you have to shackle them down if you want to do that, and we never bothered to shackle them. I don't know, what are your impressions? And so, um, don't don't get us wrong though, believe me, we had our moments. Those those were sweet moments. But I remember the the fights and the he's touching me, he's touching me, mom. He's touching me, telling him to quit touching me, you know, the fight I mean mom, believe me, we CJ's breathing my air. Yeah, no. <laughs> but we we had those moments yes. and it was like this. Because, you know, we up and down. Yes, up and because down. you would you would do really good. It's like, okay, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, have the family meeting. We're going to have the prayers. We're going to have the scripture studies. You do really good. And then something would happen and, you know, life just got crazier, busy. And then you'd fall off and then it, you'd be off for a little while. And then it's like, nope, we got to get back up. We got to keep doing this. And so then you try again. And so, um, I, th- we were pretty normal. We were not yeah. out of the or. I mean, no. we were very normal when it came to that kind of stuff. Um, I do think the one thing though is, there was a few things we had to change as our life changed and as the children grew. Does that make sense? Yes. So things evolved a little bit differently as they grew older. So there was, I remember one point, I mean, Monday nights was insane. I mean, we just couldn't. So we said, guess what? We're having family home evening on Sunday night. And we'd do everything on Sunday. We'd do the lesson. We'd do the treat. And that, and that seemed to work because guess what? We were all here. And then Monday nights were so much easier because then we weren't worried about getting back home and doing family home evening and the prayer and the scripture and all of that stuff. It, 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 but it evolved and it changed mm-hmm. as our lives changed, the children's lives changed as well. And there were and times so, we'd go a long time without it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and you just, know, and I you know, think, I think the, the, the thing too is just don't beat yourself up. Just, you know, get back up and let's try again. You know, if you've... Haven't done it for four months, just try again. And don't yeah. beat yourself up over that. Just, you know, pick right. up and move forward. That is such good advice so, for all parents a, in any stage of life, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Everyone's just trying. Yes. Everyone's exactly. trying. Exactly. Well, now that you've lived in Lakeshore for quite a while, um, what is an experience looking back as you've kind of raised your family? Um, what's an experience where you feel like the community has has taken care of your family. They've looked after you. They've helped in a time of need. They've just been a blessing to your family. Mm-hmm. 
I think they've always been a blessing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, it doesn't matter. I don't know if there's been a real specific trial, but, you know, I remember Becky out coming with Kate when I had Kate. Kate was the only baby I had here. So she came and plated cookies and a little dessert, and I had no idea who Becky out was. Oh, I love I had that. no clue who she was, and I'm like, and I mean, I still remember that. I remember when um, my father passed away, first person at my doorstep was Bev Shepard with chicken noodle soup and an ice cream bucket. I was trying to think, I remember Bev bringing us some really good soup. And, but so, I was trying to think, what tragedy happened? <laughs> <laughs> but, but always something like that. You yeah. know, my mom passed away, Debbie Groves, plate of sugar cookies. It's always been something like that. Yeah. And so, and it's, so it's always been that way with anything. Yeah. And, and I don't even, that, I'm, I mean, I feel the same way. Like, I, I feel like it's just the consistency of the little things. <clears throat> yeah. Lake Shore's community is consistent in the little things. Yes. I mean, they're consistent in the big things, but some families don't have those big things where they, you know... They need a huge rebuild on a barn right. or, you know what right, I mean? Like right. something tragic, yes. but, but it is, it's those little moments where people show up. Yeah. They show up in a time of celebration or they show up in a time of, of tragedy. Exactly. And I think that that's what makes Lakeshore a really special community. So. Well, and what I think makes it special too is that, um, Becky Yell came for me then, but somebody else, somebody's always there does that make sense or yeah. somebody's always listening to the spirit it's not always becky yowd yeah because becky yowd's over here doing but somebody else is do- i don't know yeah just fill in the gaps all the time yes yes that's a great that's a great point yeah it's not always the same person yeah it's like because somebody else is listening to the spirit that this is what this other person needs or or whatever so yeah 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 no it's always been that way though so i'm gonna ask you both this question so you have to just a second to think about it. Um, who's someone in Lakeshore that you've always admired or looked up to? And why? Who, who is that person? It's hard to pick like one. I totally get it. But it could be a couple or one or just something that's someone that's kind of stood out to you that you've always mm. looked up to. Well, when I was growing up, it'd be Blaine Bradford. Mm. Uh, he was the coach. And... Uh, Nowadays they've done away with it, but in the cultural hall or in the uh, what's it called the hall, hallways hallways of the church, uh, there was trophy cases just chuck full of trophies. Junior MN, Junior MN champion, this that and the other. Lakeshore was always the champion. I mean there was pictures of the ball players and stuff like that. My older brothers were there, you know. Blaine Bradford was there, was their coach. And he was just Coach Radford. He was our fifth grade teacher too. And uh, but uh, so somebody that probably fashioned more of the lives our age, my age, than anything else, especially the young men, would be Blaine Bradford. Mm. And uh, then as time goes on, as far as our family is concerned, it'd be uh, probably Blake Huff, Randy Gordon. Uh, Bev Shepard, Jerome's Bev Shepard. Uh, those are the salt of the earth people that, I don't know, we just kind of wanted our kids to snuggle up to. Yeah. Because that those are the people that are going to teach them things that are forever. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I love that. Who's yours, Betty? Now it's my turn to cry. 
I have one person, and it's the one same person every time you ask me who my hero is. And it will be Bev Shepard. Because the one thing Bev Shepard will always do is she will leave you better than when she found you every single time. And if I could be like that, that would... <clears throat> anyway, she's my hero. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we begged and pleaded to get her to teach our daughters piano. <laughs> and we didn't give a crap about them whether they could play the piano or not. We wanted them to know Bev Shepard because she... It's Bev Shepard. It's Bev Shepard. Yeah. Yep. yep. I know. She's a unique soul. I mean, she... <laughs> bless her heart. She gets brought up on this podcast so much. Well, she does. But she does. But she, she does. I mean... We have a really inside scoop on Bev Shepard, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but she is, she is everything that anybody has ever said about her. Absolutely. It is. She is that way to her family. She is that way to her friends and she is that way to complete strangers. And so yeah. I think that she's a great person to admire. I admire yeah. her too. So, um, Okay. I'm trying to think. Let's see. Oh, I do want to ask this question. So tell me at what point in, in both of your lives, I feel like Lloyd, maybe you've kind of answered this question, um, but maybe this is more a question to, to Betty. Betty, at what point do you feel like you were all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Like what was kind of your conversion story of gaining your own testimony? Mm hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think living in the mission field. Oh, did you um, do that? And so just in, in South Dakota. Oh, you know, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, I think helped a lot with that. Um, just because not everybody was a member of the church or, you know, my friends weren't members of the church or anything like that. And so I think learning to stand um, on the, you know, on gospel sod was probably rooted there yeah from and a so, young age yeah, yeah yeah really young age and so um probably there so it's always and then just um my mom and dad were really really pretty rooted in the gospel and so that's just where it just began and just grew I guess yeah yeah what what has been your your biggest fear in life but what's also been your biggest dream Biggest fear. fear. Well, that's a good question. Uh, I'm afraid of a lot of things. <laughs> uh, hmm. I guess what? Um, probably. Our kids turning from the gospel, maybe. That would be heart-wrenching. Um, they can be mad at the church because the church isn't true, the gospel is. And I'm sure they will be upset at some time or another with the church, but the gospel's always true and I hope they always stay that way. That might be a, for a parent, that'd be a, Pretty hard pill to swallow. For me. Mm -hmm. Betty Jean. Yeah, probably it's probably the same. Yeah. And it yeah. goes back to like 
just, you know, what we've talked about. When you love something so much, you want, you want to force everybody. Right. To yeah. You yeah. know, you, you do. Yeah. You do. When I, I was single forever, and my dad would always say to me, Lloyd, you need to get married. And, of course, I was just happy being single. I mean, my money was mine. My time was mine. Everything was mine. You know, I look at my truck, look at my car, look at this, look at, you know, my, 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 my. And dad would pull me off the side and say, you're getting a little older, Lloyd. You need to start, you know, it's kind of settling down. And he said, uh, um, you don't know what love is. And I would turn to him and say, well, dad, I love you. I love my stepmom. I love my mom. And uh, uh, I love you. He says, no. He says, you don't know what until you've had a little child of your own and you pick that baby up, then you really, you know what love is then. And he says, and if it's a little girl, then you really know what love is. And you know, we had two boys first and I, they, they do, you, you, you feel better, different for them than, than any other love you've ever felt. But when them little girls start going, just add that times two. Isn't that it's, ju- it's just, a, it's something, and you cannot, that's why we're born on this earth, you cannot tell somebody that and have them really understand it. Yeah, they have to experience it. And I'm sure there are people that won't experience it even if they do have children. But for the most people, if they're spiritually inclined at all, when they start having those babies, it is unexplainable. And that's why God had us come down. And one of the reasons, come down and have a family, you know. To experience that. To experience yeah. that. Yeah. What is, what is something that you would want your posterity to know? So we're talking your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. When they listen to this podcast in 20, 30, 40 years, what do you want them to know from grandpa and grandma, from mom, dad, what do you want to leave them with? You go first. Hey, no, I think you should go first. You've been doing a great job. I'm going to make you both answer it. Well, I want my... <clears throat> now I'm going to cry. Dang, dang, dang. Okay. You, you need to know... Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He atoned for your sins. You need to know that I know that. And that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the only, the only true church on this earth. Now, the people may not be perfect, but the gospel is. Hang on to that. Don't you ever, ever leave it. How can I follow that? (laughs) Other than to say ditto. Um, I don't know. One of my, I don't know. This is hard. Um, this one of my favorite things is um, there was a 
lady that I knew and she had on her um, headstone carved in there and it's engraved in there, whatever you call that. Um, it said she was happy and she knew it. And I probably would want my kids to know that, is that I was happy and I knew it. Because I think there's a lot of people that think they're happy or they think things will make them happy or, um, but they're not really happy. And so um, I would think I would want them to know that I was happy and I knew it. Wow. I love both okay. of those answers. That is awesome. Um, the last question that we always ask is, what do you hope for Lakeshore in the next 10 years? I guess we can't stop all the people from moving in. I guess just hope we get lots of good down-to-earth people moving in. That's all you can hope for, I guess. Good, stalwart, honest members. And just continue to have just the same community, family spirit that has, I think, always been here. Because not every place has that, yeah. but Lakeshore does. And so just to continue having that, yeah. the spirit that we're all family and neighbors yeah. with each other. Yep, I agree. I think that's what it comes down to is Lakeshore is a really special place. And the people that live here want to protect that. Yes. And they want that for generations to come. Yes. You know, whether that for their own family, for their neighbor's family, like, this this is a very special place and and we all we hope for that in the next 10 years yeah. so yeah so oh yeah uh there's a part of my life i think might be helpful for other people uh after my mother died my dad remarried quite soon after that and my i had a stepmother and people were always saying oh you got a stepmother you think you know stepmother you think uh, the evil stepmothers that are in... Like Cinderella. Cinderella and all that. And uh, that is not the case for my family. Uh, she was very, very tender and very careful and respectful of my real mother. And she just... I remember before my father uh, ran into her, I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old, and I was... I knew my dad was just living long enough for me to graduate from high school and he wanted to die mm -hmm. because he did not want to be where my mother wasn't. And I, I'd hear him pray at night and I just, I was worried. I don't want to get older because I want my dad with me. And when they started to date. How old were you? I was 13. Okay. Uh, it was just like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Now, I'd put the weight there myself, but boy, I'll tell you what, there was one thing I would not do from the age of 13 until I left, and that is cause friction between my mom, my stepmom, my car mom, and my dad. So I, was, good, I wasn't the best student in the world, but I didn't cause problems. And you know, things like that, because I, 
there was a magic that happened there that between my stepmom and my dad that needed to happen. And uh, she was a wonderful, wonderful person. And I, I could not have anybody listen to this with not telling what a wonderful person she was and how she really saved my dad. Anyway, I, I would sometimes I forget to, people need to know that. She yeah. was a wonderful person. Yeah. Loved, I, I'm so grateful you shared much. that. Yeah. And I, I think it allows people to, to there's so many blended families mm -hmm. in, in the world today that your stepmom, she did. She had to come into a family that had eight kids, you know. Right. I mean, some of them were raised. I, I understand right. that. But to encompass a different family dynamic, to take on a role that, that was probably challenging for her. She needed oh, yeah. to figure that out as well. And I think it could have been very easy for you and your siblings to not give her a chance. And to close your heart and mind off to her completely. Oh, it's, it's, it's very easy to do that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you fight with that at first especially. But I think seeing the change in my father, at least for as far as I was concerned. Now, my stepbrother was just the other, other way. My stepbrother did everything he could to destroy the marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, from my 13-year-old mindset. Right. Right. But I was not going to be that way. I just, I could see the, the spark come back on in my dad. And that's good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, that softened you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Thank and you. And then fast forward 20 years, when we get married, and she's my mother-in-law. And she's the only mother-in-law that I know. And she's the only grandmother that, that my children yeah. know. You know, so she played a really special role I mean, in our lives, she really did. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point to bring up. She fulfilled a role that needed to be fulfilled. Yes. In a very, a very special way. In Absolutely. Her way. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I'm glad that you brought that up. So, well, I'm so grateful that we've had the Baz Guards on today. Um, as all of you know and have listened to in this podcast, they're very special people with their own experiences. And we're grateful to have heard from them. So I am your host, Ashley Shepard. Thanks for listening to Faith and Farmers, the Lakeshore Community Podcast. Until next time. Wow, what a great episode. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out the next installment of Faith and Farmers, the Lakeshore Community Podcast. I'm your host and friend, Seth Mulder. Until next time, keep up the good work.